Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Yeah. Hey, good morning, Mercy Church. How's everybody doing? Y'all sound like you're doing great. Yeah. Hey, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to my community group who's here. Let's go. This is normally a North Mercy Northeast community group, uh, and they made it here, so um, love you guys. If y'all aren't a part of a community group, you should definitely join one, because you get a family when you do that. Um, anyway, my name is Brett. Uh, it is an honor to be preaching the Word of God to you. If you don't know me, I am our student pastor here. Let's go student ministry. Yeah. If you're joining us online or if you're listening to our podcast, I want to say uh, so glad that you're joining us, and I pray that this Word blesses you. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can uh, flip to John chapter 4. You can scroll there. That's where we're going to be today, as you just heard. Um, Yeah, so a little bit about me. So I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Marley. Uh, And this past month in September, we had something really special happen. We had our first baby girl. Her name is Lila. Um, I think there may be a picture. Okay, yeah. On the... She's adorable. She's super cute, very festive. Uh, so I'm officially a girl dad now, so now I cry when I hear Disney princess songs. So it's a little bit confusing. Um, the, the title of my sermon today is this. Your story is powerful. Your story is powerful. So if you're taking notes, that's the title of the sermon. As I'm talking a little bit about my family, I'm reminded of my wedding day. The date was October 5th, 2019. The setting was Elkin, North Carolina. The venue was beautiful. The weather was sublime. The food was delicious. And the ceremony was as sweet as they come. It was truly an amazing wedding. But like most weddings, it really was just another wedding for everyone who was in attendance. Don't get me wrong. It was like the most important day of my life. And I specifically remember every single detail of that day. But for the average attender, I would imagine that if you ask them about the specifics about our wedding, they wouldn't be able to remember the intricate little details. They wouldn't be able to tell you that one of my groomsmen had on a striped tie when I specifically told my groomsmen to wear solid ties. (laughs) And he had a tie clip on. I'm like, come on, bro. They wouldn't remember that one of our bridesmaids had to discreetly step away so she wouldn't pass out during the ceremony. They wouldn't remember that the DJ didn't have the rights to the songs that he was playing, so we were listening to knockoff versions of songs for the entire ceremony. <laughs> if you are planning a wedding, I highly recommend, like, make sure, make sure you look into that. Um, if you ask them, the details of the wedding would likely blend together with all the other weddings that they've been to. However, I'd be willing to bet my life savings that if you ask the people who came to our wedding if they remembered my father-in-law's speech, 100% of them would say yes. My father-in-law is named Miles, and for my wife Marley's entire life, Miles had been prepping his speech for the day that Marley would get married. And so throughout her life, when something memorable would happen, he would take note of it and save it. 
Things like the time when he wore an embarrassing tank top to the beach and made Marley cry in front of all our friends. And so when our wedding day came, Miles stood in front of everyone who had come, and with a piece of paper and some scribbles in his hands, he delivered one of the most memorable 30 minutes, and yes, it was 30 minutes, the most memorable 30-minute stories you have ever heard. He told stories about when she was a little girl and came home crying because she got her bluebird point taken away. He told stories of her work ethic and how proud he was to be her dad. And yes, when he got to the story about wearing that tank top at the beach, he took his shirt off and he had that tank top on (laughs) in front of all of our guests. And as he stood there with that tank top on, he closed with these words. Once upon a time, there was this princess. She grew up and traveled the world and she met the man of her dreams. That's me. (laughs) They fell in love and they got married and the father could not be more proud of what she sees before him. The, no. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of your story. And so tonight, here's to the beginning of the story of Brett and Marley. And everybody cheers. Y'all, it was one of the most amazing stories that I've ever heard. People were laughing. People were crying. It was awesome. Miles' story was powerful. And what we're going to see from our text today is this woman at the well that we saw last week. We met her last week, and she's telling her story to people, and her story is also powerful. And my aim for us during this time is for you to see that your story, just like Miles, just like the Samaritan woman, your story is also powerful, and it's likely more powerful than you know. So let me pray for us before we dive in. Lord Jesus, we are here today to hear from you. Your word is before us, God. We're going to turn to John chapter 4 together. We're going to read from your scriptures, which we believe you have given us. And we need you to move. God, I pray that my voice would be quiet and that your spirit would be very loud in this, in this time, God. I pray for everybody in this room. I pray for if anybody is online listening. Lord, you know exactly what they need today. And so I pray that you would move, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 All right, our text for today is John 4, 27 through 42. So you should already be there. Um, And let's just jump in. Here's what it says. Verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? For those of you who weren't here for last week's sermon, I'm going to catch you up to speed a little bit. Uh, We're jumping right in the middle of an amazing passage of scripture. And in this passage, Jesus has an encounter with the Samaritan woman at a well where he asks her for a drink of water. Now, this encounter was crazy for a couple reasons. First, this person was a Samaritan and Jesus was a Jew, meaning that he was a descendant from Israel. And what we heard in last week's sermon is that Samaritans have no dealings with Jews, and Jews had no dealings with Samaritans whatsoever during this time. They hated each other, and Jews would do everything they could to ever avoid having to enter the town of Samaria, much less have a conversation with a Samaritan. Yet here Jesus was, in Samaria, talking with a Samaritan. Second, this person was a woman, and Jesus was a man. On top of that, Jesus was a teacher. And during this time, not only did Jews hate Samaritans and vice versa, but it was culture and tradition that men, especially teachers, would not converse with women. 
Uh, They thought it was a waste of time and a diversion from studying the law. Women were completely marginalized and overlooked during this time. Yet here Jesus was in Samaria talking with a woman. And as the story unfolds, the conversation gets crazier because Jesus offers this woman a gift. And he offers her a gift that's more valuable than the greatest gift that any of us has ever received, the greatest human gift. He offers her living water. And anyone who drinks of this living water would never thirst again. And as we learned last week, what Jesus was offering was far more than water that would quench her physical thirst. Rather, he was talking about giving this Samaritan woman the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence coming to dwell within her, making her a new creation and saving her for eternal life. Absolutely amazing. And he tells her something that only God would tell her to do. He says, go call your husband. The first point I want to make to you today is this. God knows your story. God knows your story. When Jesus tells this woman to go and call her husband, he is revealing something deep within this woman's soul. Astonished at his request, she responds to Jesus, I don't have a husband. Jesus replies, you have correctly said, I don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. This Samaritan woman had baggage, y'all. She'd been married to five different men, and now she was with another man who she wasn't married to. This information about her made her an outcast among her people. It was the reason that she was going to get water during the heat of the day. It was the reason that she was alone at the well. And although this was such a huge part of her story, this was probably something that she'd avoid talking about at all costs to the people closest to her and to the Lord. She was ashamed and the people around her were ashamed. I'd imagine there are individuals in this room today who have stories like this. Maybe it isn't divorce, maybe it is, but it's something that makes you feel like you're alone and like you're an outcast. Or at least you would be, someone knew this thing about you. Over the past month, I've heard stories of people who have had family members in jail and they themselves feel imprisoned because of the shame that it's brought about in their family. I've spoken with people who struggle with same-sex attraction and they love Jesus, but they feel like aliens within the church because they don't know who they can relate to and they simply don't feel understood. I've spoken with individuals who have crippling anxiety and oh, how they feel alone and ashamed. I've spoken with people who have had infidelity in their marriage, and though their heart is repentant and though they're working through it, they don't know how to recover. These things in our life carry with them the power of shame. And if anyone in this room has ever experienced shame, it's one of the most powerful forces that the enemy can use against us. It deflates us, it embarrasses us, it makes us question the things that we once held to be true. One writer named Daniel DeWitt draws a distinction between guilt and shame, and I think it helps illuminate the definition of shame for us. He writes, though guilt and shame are twins, they aren't identical. Guilt is usually tied to an event. I did something bad. Shame is tied to a person. I am bad. Guilt is the wound. Shame is the scar. Guilt is isolated to the individual. Shame is contagious. Shame had infected this woman's life up to this point. Just like our definition says, she was scarred from her story. Yet here was Jesus 
speaking openly about the very thing that I brought this shame about in this woman's life. God knew her story and God knows your story. Even the parts that you've never told anyone. But brothers and sisters, what we see from this interaction is that there's something different than that happens when we realize that God knows our story versus the world knowing our story. The world knowing this story led to this woman being an outcast in her society. Maybe this is the same thing that you have felt. Someone has used the mistake that you've made as ammunition against you. Maybe you've lost a loved one because of a decision. Maybe you've lost a friend. Maybe you've literally been ostracized by your family because of a decision that you've made. The world knowing your story has led to you being an outcast. But God knowing our story is completely different. You see, God knew this woman's story. Later on, she's going to say, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Jesus didn't know pieces of her story. He knew her story to the full. And yet the offer for living water remained. You see the difference? Rather than being met with the shame that she had received for her entire life, she was met with grace and mercy. Friends, believe me when I say that grace and mercy is available for you today despite your story. Jesus knows your story to the full, and he's extending to you the same offer that he was extending to this Samaritan woman. And you don't have to get cleaned up to come to Jesus. Remember, it wasn't the woman who drew near to Jesus. It was Jesus who drew near to her and her mess. And he wants to draw near to you and your mess today. And what's incredible is that Jesus doesn't just want to draw near to you, but he actually wants to use the things that you're going through to draw others near to him. And that leads me to my second point today, which is this. God intends to use your story to draw people near to Jesus. God intends to use your story to draw people near to Jesus. How's everybody doing in here? Good? Good? All right. That coffee kicking in yet? All right, good. Take another sip. Verse 28, it says, Then the woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left town and made their way to him. Y'all love this moment in the story. Without hesitation, without reservation, this woman takes off. In utter amazement and excitement, she goes back into her hometown and begins to tell people about this man who she just met at the well. And I don't know if you caught this, but she left her jar. She left her water jar, the very thing that she came to the well to get. She left, she went to the well with a mission to get water, and she left the well with a totally different mission, which was to tell people about Jesus. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did, was her testimony. Think about how compelling this moment must have been for the people in her town. Here was this woman, the one who had husband after husband, the one who was despicable in literally the eyes of everyone in this town, and she's been flying under the radar, she's avoiding conversations with everybody, she's going to the well alone, and all of a sudden she comes running, she's huffing and puffing, and she's saying, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. And I can imagine that probably wasn't all that she said. I don't want to read too much into the text, but I'd imagine that she probably elaborated on this interaction a little bit. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. He knew that I've had five husbands. He knew that the man I'm with right now is not my husband. And guess what? He asked me for a drink. And he told me he wanted to give me living water. He even said he's the Messiah. And y'all, look at what happens. Verse 30. 
They left town and they made their way to him. The embarrassing details of this woman's story that she was ashamed of became the very details that God used to convince others that they needed to come to Jesus. Come on, come on somebody. God intended to use this woman's story to draw people near to Jesus. Have you ever met someone like this woman? Someone whose story is just absolutely amazing to you? I have a friend named Howard, and he's that person for me. Howard was someone who had their life completely transformed by Jesus. In high school, he struggled with drug addiction. He had a really rough home life, and his parents were split up, and drugs was an escape for him. And one night, Howard took it too far, and he overdosed, and he nearly died. And the way he tells this story is that he woke up to his brother shaking him and turning him on his side to keep him alive. God used his brother to save his life that night. And from that day on, things began to change in Howard's life. By God's grace, he stopped using and he started going to the gym and kind of channeling that into getting in shape. He wanted to turn his life around because he never wanted to go back to that moment. And not long after the overdose, Howard met a woman at his gym named Faith. Faith would later become his wife. She was a follower of Jesus And God used her as someone to help him connect the dots that God had been pursuing him. And faith challenged Howard to read his Bible. And so one day, in an effort to win her affections, he begrudgingly got his Bible that had been collecting dust, and he opened it up to the Gospel of John and sat down on his front porch and started to read. And he began to weep. And he met the man that the Samaritan woman met at the well that day. He met Jesus. And he received that offer of living water from Jesus. And y'all, I can't even begin to describe how many people I've seen impacted by this story and have given their lives to Jesus because of it. The reason is because God intended to use his story to bring people to Jesus. My story is different than Howard's. Mine doesn't include an overdose. But I can tell you that all throughout middle and high school and early into college, I was running hard from God and I was living for myself. I don't know if anybody of y'all, any of y'all have done that, but you find out really quickly that living for yourself does not actually satisfy. And when I was 19, I found myself in a spot where I was just broken and empty. And I remember going to my grandfather's house one summer afternoon and sitting down in his office. He was a pastor and he was the only person I knew to talk to. And I just unloaded everything to him. I told him all the ugly details of my story, the things that I was ashamed of, all the things that you would never tell your grandpa. And Papa sat there and he nodded his head and he patiently listened to me. And then he brought me to Jesus. He told me the good news of the gospel. And that day I received that offer of living water from Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Y'all, I wonder if sharing these stories resonates with anyone in this room. If it resonates with anyone online or listening to our podcast. If it does, it's because God intends to use our stories to draw people to Jesus. I believe that God intends to use your story. The things that you've gone through. The things that you may feel ashamed of right now. The things that may have scarred you and that you may be scared to share with anyone. That divorce, that addiction that death in your family, that brokenness in your family, that illness. Have you ever considered that there may be someone in your sphere of influence right now 
who's going through the same thing that needs to hear that Jesus can redeem even that. That Jesus has borne their shame for them on the cross so that they don't have to live in shame any longer. I believe that there's someone you know waiting to hear that God can bring healing from addiction. That there's someone waiting to hear that God can mend a broken heart. That there's someone you know waiting to hear that their mistake hasn't actually disqualified them from God, but that Christ has died on the cross for their sins and wants to be in a relationship with them. There's someone you know waiting to hear that God still loves them. And I believe that God intends for you to be the bringer of this message, y'all. I really do believe that. For you to be like this Samaritan woman, boldly sharing your story and boldly inviting people to come and see a man who has given you living water despite your brokenness. And y'all, I know that this can probably hit heavy with some of you, and I've been praying for you, because you're walking through some really difficult things right now. And if that's you, I just want to say I'm so sorry. But I promise you, what we see from this text is that your story though it may be difficult and though it may be painful right now, is not something that God has removed from, but something that he wants to use for his glory in our world. And he is present with you. God intends to use your story to bring people to Jesus. And he intends to even use what you're going through right now. And for the person in this room who is thinking to themselves, well, my story is just boring, so it's not really worth sharing. And I know there's some of y'all in here because I've heard that story a lot. I want you to listen to what 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, guess what? Your story is far from boring. God's word says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God, the creator of the universe, for his possession. You were were in darkness at one point, and now God has given you mercy and has brought you into his marvelous light. There is nothing more that you need to add to this to make it amazing. God has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, to make you a new creation in Christ, and to give you eternal life. He saved you from eternity in hell if you're a follower of Jesus. Y'all, that's not boring. That is not boring. That is amazing. If you're the person that has a boring testimony, I I urge you to memorize that passage and just remember that when you think that. Um, Let's continue in our text. We're going to look at verse 31. It says, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. If you recall from last week's sermon, Jesus' disciples had gone into town to get Jesus food because he was worn out from journeying. And when they were gone, that's the moment that he met the woman at the well. Verse 32, but he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told them, don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. 
Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Y'all, I could really preach another sermon based on these verses alone. But the next point I want to make to you is this. It is good for us to share our story and God has prepared people to hear it. It is good for us to share our story and God has prepared people to hear it. We see this clearly from the text. Look at Jesus here. He's hungry and he's tired. He's been journeying and ministering to people all day and he's just beat. If this were me, right about this time, I'd be wanting a Five Guys cheeseburger and a Dr. Pepper. I'd be snatching the food out of the disciples' hands like, give me that. This is bread. That's all y'all got? Um, anyway. <laughs> Jesus says to his disciples, I have food to eat that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What was of the utmost importance to Jesus wasn't feeding his belly, but obeying the father and finishing the work that he had assigned for him. That was the food that Jesus wanted to feast on. And in the same way, church, it is good for us when we share our story with people. It's food for our souls to tell others about what God has done for us. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. I think about times where I've been on a mission trip and I'm tired and worn out I've been going all day and my stomach is doing flip-flops from that sketchy chicken that I ate. But my soul within it has a contentment because of that conversation I had earlier in the day where I was able to tell someone about Jesus. I think about the hope that I saw in that person's eyes and the joy of that moment. They were so happy that someone just wanted to talk with them. And all of a sudden, I don't feel so worn out. I feel happy and I feel joyful. And then I go get some food and I'm like, praise Jesus. (laughs) God created us to be that way, y'all, to be encouragers, to be bringers of hope. And when we're obedient to God in that way, it's actually good for us and it's food for our soul. I dare you to test me on that this week with somebody. And I believe that's what Jesus is saying here. Sidebar, if you've never been on a mission trip before, we would love to send you. You should talk to our mobilization team. They would be so excited to talk with you. But I digress. Verse 35, Jesus says, listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for and others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Jesus says to them, open your eyes, y'all. Look and see. There are others who have been tilling this soil for you. And what I'm sending you to do is to go and reap a harvest among them. Go and do what this Samaritan woman has done. I think of Luke 10.2, when Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Y'all, there is a harvest right outside these walls, in your workplace, in your schools, in your gym, at your grocery store. There are people all over the place who don't have the hope of Jesus that you have. 
More than that, more than just Charlotte, there are literally, y'all, millions of people across the world who don't even have access to the gospel, who will go every day in their life never hearing that Jesus has come and has died for them and that, he can, that they can have life in his name. And God has prepared them for you to go and to share Jesus with them so that they will be drawn to Jesus. So regardless, if you feel like your story is amazing or boring, Jesus has called you to go and share. It's good for you to do it, and God has prepared people to hear it. And that brings me to my last point, which is this. Jesus' story has supreme power. Jesus' story has supreme power. Let's look back at our text. Verse 39, it says, Now many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. This is an amazing verse. The Samaritans have come back based on the testimony of the Samaritan woman. They listened to her and they came to Jesus. And the text says that many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of her story. Friends, the main point of the sermon today is that your story has power. And that's exactly what we see here with this Samaritan woman when she shares her story. The Lord used her story to lead people to saving faith in Jesus. And he can use your story to do the same because your story is powerful. That's amazing. He can use the street preacher on the corner to bring about salvation. He can use a quick conversation that you have with somebody at the grocery store. He can use an Instagram DM. He can use a phone call. And maybe you're in this room today because of a conversation like that. And that's pretty cool. But look at what happens when these people end up actually meeting Jesus and hearing from him. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this really is the Savior of the world. These Samaritans, the one who hated Jews, heard from Jesus, and everything flipped on his head. Notice that they asked him to stay with them for two days. Y'all, this would have been unheard of for a Samaritan to ask a Jew to stay. And on top of that, it says that many more believe because of what he said. They said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, even though that's amazing, but we've seen and heard for ourselves. And we really know that this is the savior of the world. Savior of the world. That, that's, those are big words. That kind of title can only be given to someone who has a story with supreme power. And Jesus' story does have supreme power, y'all. The story of Jesus is the gospel. That though every single human being has sinned against God since Adam and Eve, that though every single human being deserves eternal death apart from God, God has made a way for humankind to be reconciled to himself. And he's done that by coming to earth in the form of a man. And that man is named Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He performed miracles on earth. He broke down racial and societal boundaries. He talked with women. He loved people fiercely and stood in opposition to the religious leaders of the day. And rather than preaching a message of strict adherence to the law, if you obey, then you can have God. He preached a new gospel, a gospel of the kingdom. And that kingdom is filled with sinners like this Samaritan woman, like me and like you. 
who do not deserve God's mercy, but he's given it to us. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation, God has freely given grace and mercy. And this was accomplished by Jesus going to the cross and dying in the place of sinners. And Jesus was raised back to life three days later, proving that he indeed is the savior of the world. And he now gives living water, his very spirit, to anyone who would place their faith in him. Regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of your past, Jesus gives eternal life to anyone who would turn from their sin and place their faith in him. That is amazing. And he'll make you a new creation. That's what happened to me that day when I was 19 with my grandfather. I became a new creation because of Jesus and because of nothing less. This story, the gospel, the story of Jesus, this story has supreme power. And when these Samaritan people heard the story of Jesus, they were in awe. And they said, this really is the savior of the world. Our second point today was that God intends to use your story to bring people to Jesus. This is why. It's so that they can hear Jesus' story and believe that he really is the savior of the world. He can fix that. That's amazing. There's something about this man. That's John's purpose of writing his gospel. He writes in John 20, 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life is found in Jesus's story. And we as the church have the privilege of telling our stories to others in order to bring people to Jesus so that they can hear his story and receive living water. Your story has power. God knows your story. God intends to use your story to bring, to draw people near to Jesus. It is good for you to share your story. God has prepared people to hear it. And Jesus's story has supreme power. So what would it look like for you to really live this out today? What would it look like for you to be someone who faithfully shares your story and the things that you've gone through in order to bring people to the feet of Jesus so that they can hear his story? I want to give you a tool to do that today. So we're going to kind of turn this from a sermon into a workshop. So if you have a phone or a piece of paper uh, to write on, I'm going to give you this tool. It's called the 15-second testimony. Super easy. It's a tool that we used a lot in our college ministry. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing starting place for you if you've never done this before. So here's the first part. Write down this question, uh, or you can just answer it. What are two words that described your life before knowing Jesus? Two words. Write those down. For me, the two words that described me were I was empty and I was broken. So maybe before knowing Jesus, you felt purposeless. Maybe you felt anxious. Maybe you felt ashamed. Take a second and think about it and then write those two words down. Two words that described your life before knowing Jesus. We good? Okay. All right. Next, what are two words that describe your life now that you have received the forgiveness of Jesus? What are two words that describe your life now that you have received the forgiveness of Jesus? Write those down. For me, those two words in juxtaposition with uh, empty and broken are I'm filled and I'm healed now because of Jesus. So maybe the words for you are you're freed and you're forgiven. Maybe they are you have purpose and joy now because of Jesus. 
Maybe they're fulfilled and loved. Take a second to think about it and then write those two words down. This is going to be amazing. All right, when you have those words, the good news is that you have the bones for the 15-second testimony. You're like more than halfway there. But this is the most important part, is you putting it together and then sharing it. So here's how you share it. There was a time in my life when I was blank and blank. Those are the two words before. But then I met Jesus and received his forgiveness for me, and now I am blank and blank. Do you have a story like that? And you got to end with the question because then you're inviting people to have a conversation with you about this. So my story is there was a time in my life when I was empty and broken, but then I met Jesus and I received his forgiveness for me. And now I'm filled with his spirit and healed of my brokenness. Do you have a story like that? Super easy, right? You can share this guys. I promise you, like you can do it. And Listen, if you tell somebody, there's a time in my life where I was broken and empty, but now I received the forgiveness of Jesus and I'm healed and filled with the spirit. People are going to be like, what? Like that is not common for people to talk about those kind of things right now. Right. And it's going to open up a conversation. I believe that. And so here's my challenge for you is for you to share this with someone this week. This week to share it with someone. Who's that person at work that you know who's on your mind right now? Who's that person from your gym who you see literally every time you go to the gym? And maybe you've been trying to avoid a conversation with them because if you're like me, you don't want to talk to people at the gym. My challenge for you is to share this with someone this week. Your story has power and you have no idea who God has prepared to hear it. But I can assure you this, what we saw today is that he's prepared someone. He's prepared someone to hear it. The Samaritan woman didn't have all the answers. She was just amazed by the grace and mercy that she had received from Jesus. And so she went and shared about what he had done for her. And God used it mightily. And he wants to use you in that way too. And this is the last thing I'll say. Y'all, if we really want to see a gospel awakening happen in the city of Charlotte that's carried to the ends of the earth, this is where it begins. It begins with us, with you, going and making Jesus known in our city. And so my question for you today is, is will you accept this call? Let me pray for us. Lord, there have been um, three people on my mind as I've been prepping this sermon. First is the person that is ready to share their story, and maybe they've shared their story before, and this is just that reminder for them to go and do it again. God, I pray that you would give that person boldness this week in such a new and fresh way that they would think of the Samaritan woman and how amazed she was to just go and tell people about Jesus and that they would feel amazed and in awe of you and that they would go and that they would tell people about Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would save this week, that this week as they share their story, that you would bring people to saving faith in Christ. Lord, we want to see a gospel awakening happen in the city of Charlotte that's carried to the ends of the earth. And you could do it through us going and being obedient to you. You tell us to go and make disciples. This is your call for us. And so give them boldness. And the second person that I've been having on my mind, Lord, is the person who is walking through some really hard and dark things right now. And maybe the thought of sharing their story makes them shudder. It makes them want to crawl up and just like 
isolate themselves from the world because nobody would understand the things that they're going through right now. Lord, I pray that you would remind them that you came after the woman at the well. You drew near to her. And when you told her the things that were going on in her life, she wasn't met with shame. She was met with grace and mercy. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would heal hearts in this room today with your grace and mercy. And that you would give them a courage this week to maybe share what's hurting, what's hard with someone that they trust, someone that they know. Maybe come share it with a pastor. And God, that you would do some healing in their heart today. Help them, Lord. I just feel really burdened for them today. And lastly, Lord, the, there's the other person that I've had on my mind is the person who doesn't know you, Jesus, and who hasn't yet received that living water. I pray that they would hear this invitation and would give their lives to you. Your word, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, that's all you want for us, Lord, and you'll do the rest for us to place our faith in you. And if there's anybody in here who hasn't done that, Lord, I pray that they would give their life to you today, Jesus, and believe in you. So Lord, we trust you. Please let us see a gospel awakening that happens in this, in this city. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.